this is Joe Bakmotsky and welcome to Simplify Cancer Podcast. If you're listening to this, then one way or another, your life has been touched by cancer. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to stories of folks who are just like you. And today I've got a really special conversation for you today. Because today I'm talking to two young adult cancer thrivers. Gabriel and Alex from Canada and today we are talking about their book. The book is a fantastic book which is called Let Go of Your Shit, a guide for young adults affected by cancer. And so if you're a young adult who might be dealing with cancer or you have a friend who's going through it, I think you're gonna really love this. So let's dig in. But I'm just so excited to have you guys back on here at Simplify Cancer Podcast. And it was so cool hearing you tell me that you have written this book as your kind of, you know, lockdown, as a kind of pandemic project, which is exactly what we need for these times. We need in, the, in these times of craziness, in the times of uncertainty, we need more positive news. We need more things that help people, which is like the book that really you guys wrote. So I'm super excited to, to have you. Welcome back, guys, and congrats on your book. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Yeah, no. <laughs> Super excited. Yes, I'm sure you are, because that's such a huge thing, guys. I mean, I mean, writing your own book, and that's that's kind of what we're talking about today, which is really awesome. Well, guys, I know that you like huge believers in in really like thriving despite cancer. I want to really, really speak to that first. I mean, Gabriel, like, what does it like thriving? You know, being a being a thriver. What does that mean for you? Mm, that's a good question. I think for me, it took a while for me to find a term that fit where I wanted to go and the narrative that I wanted to hold. And Thriver became that kind of the term that amounted to that. It helped me show up for myself in a very different way. It allowed me to start telling my story, to own my story and to guide it into a space that I felt much more comfortable in. So that for me was, was thriving, was showing up for myself. Yeah, I love that. And it's also how you, you, you speak about really choosing how you're going to decide, right? That's, that's been a, part of, a big part of your experience, right? I think for a long time, especially when I was in survival mode, which I think is something a lot of people go through, I didn't really understand the choices that I had. And when I took back that control, it gave me the opportunity to experience cancer in a very different way. And it didn't take the pain away, but it gave me a way to channel that into something that I, that I could be proud of and that would really suit my needs. Yeah, that's fantastic, Gabriel, because really it sounds like you kind of redirected a lot of your energy into kind of a different flow into a different direction. What about you, Alex? What's, what's helped you personally to, to really kind of thrive beyond cancer? Yeah, it's a good question. And just, you know, attesting to the, the term thrive, I have to give credit, all credit really to Gabrielle for bringing that forth to at least the cancer community, at least the way I saw it in my perspective. It's a term that we use. And, and it's funny that you ask us a question like this, because you know, sometimes you you lose the meaning of what it means to thrive. And then when you really think about it, a lot of that kind of the floodgates open when you realize what it means. And I think it, it attests a lot to what Gabrielle means of taking that control back. And I'm glad that she brought that up 
before I, I, I kind of got a chance to talk because it's so important in your cancer experience because you lose so much control over a lot of decisions you can make, the way that you can live your life in a certain way. You kind of have to find different ways to advocate for yourself and to make decisions that you have the ability to control that are going to make you feel more positive about yourself and give you some type of advocacy that you can control in some nature. So for example, one thing we really talk about a lot is the people around you, right? So you can choose to have certain friends around you that are being negative. You can choose to get rid of them as well, to have that positive mindset and say, look, the people around me mean so much. The support system around me is so important and I can actually choose who I wanna be around. And that's something that might make me feel a little bit better as I thrive throughout my experience. So the thriving aspect really for me is just being able to control what you can and you see big differences day in and day out when you make the changes and you make the choices that are going to benefit you in any way that you can. Yeah, that's great, Alex. I, I really love, again, because you, you again talk about choice and even choice in personal relationships because sometimes, and I think and it's certainly been true for me as well before cancer, is sometimes you're kind of uh, you know, surrounded by by, by people who you kind of fell into things and you know sometimes it perhaps doesn't really serve you and sometimes um you know with some of those people maybe it takes something like as huge as cancer to really just like blow up in your face to really kind of bring that to light and i think that's what you're talking about as well right yeah essentially and you know what i find that as controversial as it is i find that when you when you get cancer and when you let people know what you're going through someone can have two responses there's not often a response that sits somewhere in the middle either they you know they're 100 gung-ho about supporting you or they tend to back off and you know they don't really know how to react and sometimes it can be perceived as negative from the cancer thrivers perspective but sometimes it's just a choice that other person has to make so it's hard to navigate especially early on when you're dealing with your own life and you don't have a chance to really focus on what the other person's thoughts are but the thing you can control is those personal relationships because sometimes you had a, a lot higher hopes for them and maybe they didn't turn out so great once this big bomb is dropped about your cancer diagnosis but you kind of have to learn how to navigate that as you go along and it's important to to make those those tough choices yeah exactly exactly i could, I could not agree with you more and again the other option is can you know i want to kind of bounce back to channeling where you guys you know put have put in your energy i know you know we're going to talk a lot about the book today but also you, you know you also have a you know a, a fantastic podcast so gabriel how did the podcast really come about and how did it start and i guess how do you see it now in terms of you know i guess because obviously you know the vision for yourself and the experience that you guys have had has also changed right I think at first I created the podcast probably more because I needed to talk about my story and I needed an outlet to throw things out into the universe for other people to hear or not. But for me, those were really important steps that I needed to take to start owning that story that I, I was living throughout the years. This has shifted and you can see a little, a little bit that shift in the podcast as well. Like in the episodes, we've shifted to have a lot more guests on the podcast and we're talking about storytelling, but from various other people's stories um, and those point of views. So now I see the podcast as a way to hear 
the voices of other young adults affected by cancer, other individuals affected by cancer, healthcare professionals, supporters, kind of hearing all those voices and how they understand how they fit into the cancer narratives that I hold and that our community holds as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I know it's, it, and I totally agree with you because I think for me as well, when I started, you know, the Simplified Cancer podcast, it was definitely more, I guess, like a self therapy type of experience. Like I really wanted to bring out some of the my story and my personal pain and challenges that I had and, and do it as a way of dealing with that. But then it's like what you, uh, you, you put so beautifully is that you, you really bring out other people's stories and it becomes more of, a, I guess, a vehicle to kind of uh, bring some of those together. And, and, and I guess it also, in many ways, uh, kind of shifts focus away from what you're doing and really kind of shines a light, uh, a, a light on what other people are doing. So what do you think, Gabriel, in terms of, you know, you've obviously been involved with so many young adults who go through cancer through the podcast and beyond. I know through the organization that you guys are involved in, has, uh, have you noticed, uh, you know, some kind of, I guess, similarities in people's experience? Because you're hearing a lot of stories, right? Yeah. It means so much to hear someone else's cancer story and just story in general, because I think people are more than just their cancer stories. But it fascinates me to be able to sit with someone and give them the space to tell their stories and to tell pieces, I guess, of their, their bigger stories that they seem that they feel are important uh, to them and, and to the community at that point. And as much as there's differences in all of our stories, the emotions that go behind those stories and that come out in those stories are so similar to one another. And I think it, it attests to the fact that we might be a very diverse, well, we are a very diverse community, but we are living things very, and we're feeling things in very much the same way. And that's, for me, what's special about being a cancer thriver and listening to these stories is being able to connect to that emotion and say, you know what? Yes, that anger is there. And maybe... A hundred people are going to have a hundred different stories of how anger impacted their cancer story. But at the end of the day, that anger is still something we can connect with and explore together and move forward with after that. And that's such a great, great point that you make, that it's, it's the emotions themselves that become part of the stories. And, and that really kind of is something that we have in common so much. And that really, I guess, speaks a lot to the book, which carries a lot of those stories and, and the emotions inside it. That's what I really felt. At times it gets, it gets really emotional, which is so great. So Alex, for you, I guess, how did the book come about from your perspective? And kind of how did it affect you personally, you know, when, when you know, the process of writing it and, and, and doing it? Great question. I mean, the book itself is based on a theory that when we work with uh, the Young Adult Cancer Canada, so both Gabrielle and I have different sets of roles, similar roles within that organization. And the program director, Corrine Chalifour, put together this theory after having a conference and a meeting with other healthcare professionals, brought this theory together. And since that time that she had discussed that, she brought it towards the YAC community, Young Adult Cancer Canada, and other parts of the cancer community. And we have individually, Gabrielle and I, heard about the theory and it became to a point where every event and 
organizational get together that we were going to, it affected us more. We saw how the theory itself affected other individuals. We saw how we grew as individuals, the more we learned about ourselves and how to let things go, especially during a cancer diagnosis. And Gabrielle came up to me at the beginning of March, we were at a retreat in, uh, in Paris, Ontario. And she goes, we should write a book about this. And, you know, at the time I'm thinking, yeah, it'd be, it'd be lovely to write a book about it. And then we kind of sat down and said, no, like, let's, let's write this book. We have all this time, especially now. And like you said earlier on in this episode, Joe, I mean, why now? Why not now more than ever? So we came about in just the sense that we both had this idea that, you know what, it's time to put some of our thoughts that we have on the podcast. Maybe we can put them in a paper form. We're both really advocates for journaling and writing inside your own cancer sort of experience. So why not put it together with something, something beyond us? So that's kind of how it came about is we both structured it together. And as we were writing, it's, it's so therapeutic to get some of your thoughts out on paper. And I can see you kind of nodding and smiling and you, you have more experience than us in that as well. So to be able to put out some of your thoughts that obviously we have the podcast as one medium, but to have it on paper and to write out some of the thoughts we've been having and some of the theories, backgrounds and knowledge and definitions, it was super therapeutic and at times tough, of course, but at the same time, it was always nice to have a challenge and to be able to put it together so that it was incredible experience. And you know, it's, it's so great to hear, Alex, you say that, you know, you guys are fans of journaling because it's so crucial, right, to kind of express your own thoughts and kind of make sense of all these kind of complex and weird emotions that you feel through in, well, through life, but especially so, of course, if you, if you kind of been hit with cancer. So it really, it really changes. So with, with writing, obviously, you know, uh, you are kind of reflecting on a lot of things. And did it kind of bring certain things to light that perhaps you kind of didn't think about before in a long time? Definitely. I think what was nice is we have parts of the book that we do actually dive into our own experiences with the theory, with maybe harbored emotions, thoughts and actions that we had during our cancer experience, whether that be through relationships, whether it be with like socially missing out on certain activities, body image, things like that. And what I found, at least speaking for myself, is even in my current day-to-day -day life, you know, in survivorship, three, four years out of the end of my cancer treatment, there's still certain feelings and thoughts that I know I harbor. If they're related to cancer, they are. And if they're not, they're maybe outside of the cancer world externally. But you still realize and when you can sit and reflect during the writing process and think a lot of what we're talking about is still relevant today, which just attests to the fact that Although maybe you're finished your cancer treatment, there still is a lot that goes into the survivorship aspect of things. So there definitely was times where I remember sitting and reflecting and kind of taking a step back physically and mentally from writing and thinking, this is still relevant today. And I know that although may have, I may have grown with some of my thoughts and actions that I dealt with during my diagnosis, there's still a lot that is at play in this, in this realm. So it definitely gives you a chance to reflect on, on past experiences. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and also I kind of felt that in a way that reflecting on some of those experiences, it brings them back to light. And I found that even some of some of those experiences may have been painful, but in a way it helps you heal. And some of those experiences I don't want to forget because they they really contributed to make it like the whole kind of cancer experience really made me, you know, the person that I am today. Would you would you say that as well? For, was that kind of similar experience for you as well, Alex? 
Definitely. Yeah. No, I found that uh, the, the the way we grow in, in cancer and even outside of it is is by either if it's not necessarily a mistake, not all the time. Sometimes it's just a situation that you're put in. But by recognizing how you grew in tough times or what you've learned out of the toughest times in your life, you learn what you can do better next time. You learn what worked. So it's true. I mean, it, it's it's tough to hold on to painful experiences or to, to at least remember them and, and not try and push them out of your own head. But I think if you if you don't give them an opportunity to at least learn from and grow from, then you're not really taking advantage of some of the toughest parts of your life. And so the cancer as a whole, I always find if I could make some type of learning experience from it, it it's kind of like it's, you know, we, all is lost. So I agree. It's, it's tough to keep those painful experiences, but there's always a good side to, to keeping them in mind. Yeah, for sure. And what about you, Gabriel? I mean, has, has this process of kind of writing a book has it kind of given given you, I guess, a different perspective on your experience on on life and cancer? That's a big question. <laughs> uh, I think through any experience, there's not much else to do than grow. It was as true for writing as anything else. So I definitely have grown through that experience of writing the book. When we started the writing the book, I don't think. I understood how versatile and important the balls of shit theory could be and that process of letting go. And we had heard the theory many times before, but actually writing it and going through and establishing that process of how do you let go of these things and ended up changing the way that I interact with a lot of the things that I carry around. And like you said, Joe, I think there's some things that I want to keep close to me, but it gave me an opportunity to let go of what was heavy from these experiences and keep what was actually serving me. And those things are much lighter. So for example, if we look at the social aspect of the cancer, of the cancer diagnosis at 19, I lost a lot of friends and a lot of people weren't able to show up for me in the way that I wanted them to. And I held that for a long time. And now I get to hold that idea and that reality that I faced a lot in that socially it was awkward to be a cancer survivor, a cancer thriver, and a 19-year-old. And I'm able to hold that a lot more easily now, focusing as well on the things like the people who did show up for me and the things I learned uh, about how to be social and how I wanted to be social instead of what society was maybe telling me was the right way to be social at 19. So it allowed me to grow in those things I can hold while other things I can now kind of let go of what was heavy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I, I love that it's, you talk about how it's kind of can give you an opportunity to grow and to have a better understanding of, I guess what you're looking for in life, in, in people, in relationships, in, in your career. So do you think that's, a, that's something that isn't common for, I guess, all young adults going through cancer? I think it's valid and a really interesting theory for just about anyone. And I'm convinced at one point we're going to have to write a version two of this book for just like the general public because this is like the foundation of what a lot of people are, I think looking for is that idea of how can I let go of things when they no longer serve me? Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about, give us a, a helicopter view of the balls of shit theory. 
Yeah. So the balls of shit theory. So balls of shit are things that you carry around that no longer serve your, I think Jeff, the founder of Yak, puts it as uh, your pursuit of loving and living life. And it's all those heavy things that we carry that are kind of dragging us down, that are heavy, that make sitting difficult, that make walking difficult. It's just like, just awkward to carry all of this shit around with you. And we do make those analogies throughout the entire book. And these balls are really thoughts, emotions, feelings, actions that have happened that we hold and that could happen and that we still hold, even though they're not, they haven't happened yet or may not happen. So we hold all of these things and the balls of shit theory is about how can we bring these balls to our awareness, bring these things to our awareness, accept them and then let them go or release them. I think is what we call them at the end of the book. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a fantastic summary, Gabriel, because it makes so much sense. And even the book, right? Like it's called Let Go of Your Shit. Like Alex, what does this title mean to you? I think just the fact that it's the bluntness of the title is, first of all, I think it relates to a lot of people, right? A lot of people, especially in this time time of your life, people will say, this is shit. This, this sucks. This, there's this negative connotation to 2020 as a whole, but Outside of even this, right, prior to what's going on, everyone has their own things that in their life they don't know how to deal with, and ourselves included. That's why we kind of put together this book. But it's just simple. Just let go of your shit, right? Get rid of all of the stuff that doesn't serve you anymore. It's funny, when we were putting together our, our book on Amazon and trying to publish it, one of the questions was, does this have adult content in it? We said, well, the title has adult content, so we're going to check that box. But at the same time, it's relatable because as much as you want to hide that it's shit, that's sometimes that's the frustration in people and they don't know how to get rid of what is going on in their lives. And, and sometimes it's hard to understand why we're being weighed down if we don't actually know what it is that is weighing us down. So the title itself, we decided to go with something blunt, something that related to the balls of shit theory as much as possible. And I think just at the end of the day, when you're sitting and you're trying to contemplate what is so tough in our lives and what is so hard to let go of, you just let go of your shit. I think it just gets gets right down to the point. <laughs> yeah, man. Sometimes you just call it what it is. If it's shit, that's shit. Right? <laughs> that's shit. No way that's around it. that. That's it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what about, Gabriel, what about how do you think that this way of letting go, how can it help someone who might be going through cancer? I think... We hold things from before our cancer diagnosis. We hold things from the moment we hear the words, you have cancer. We hold, we hold a lot as young adults affected by cancer, cancer thrivers. We hold so much. And wherever you're at in that cancer experience, you have the opportunity and the ability to start that process of letting go. And the first time that you start letting go of something, it might be something really tiny. It can be like learning to let go by letting go of the fact that it's snowing outside right now for me, right? So it, it doesn't need to be that you start with the fact that you're going to start letting go of what's heavy about the fact that you got cancer or the first time you heard the words. We don't need to st start there, but starting small at one point um, and I think there's no better time than the present 
So starting to let go is, is kind of the idea that you can do and you can start working towards at any point of the cancer experience. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's so true that it's, we live in the present and, you know, you start wherever you are at, at right now, which is, you know, you, you don't go and kind of beat yourself up. I think I'm sure we've, we've all done <laughs> that in our lives. You don't go beat yourself up about things you could have done or should have done. You're going to have to work with what you have, right? Yeah. And there's no, it doesn't work to go zero to 100. I am a strong believer of that. So might as well go zero to 1% instead and then work to that 100 eventually. Um, but starting somewhere is, I think, the only way you can do anything. So true, because otherwise you might get discouraged or thrown off course, or it's just like too much to take on, right? And, and Alex, you know, I was, I was just thinking that I was so interested to read about how you were talking about trying to um, make up for really lost time in, in your romantic relationship. So what was that like, Alex? Tough. I mean, it's tough when you, first of all, I, I enjoyed the fact of being single throughout my diagnosis was, was an experience treatment was something I think I needed. I personally felt that I had the opportunity to learn a little bit about myself, take the time to grow as a person, go through difficult times and kind of make my own decisions. I felt that that gave me the opportunity to grow. But then when you go out into the world and, you know, you feel maybe either lonely or you're looking for a companion, it's hard to miss out when I was, I was 20 years old at diagnosis at about 22 and a half when I was finished my treatment. So those are prime years when you're discovering what you're, you're looking for in a romantic partner, what works, what doesn't, and not having the opportunity to really explore that. It almost feels like, like you're catching up and you're trying to figure out what you want. So I found that often I, I didn't know what I wanted. I was making decisions that may have been selfish or may have been taking out certain opinions and emotions on other people. And I think that was just a product of me not really understanding what it was like to be in a relationship. And I think on the other end of things, it was not really understanding what I as a person wanted. I didn't think in some aspects, I think cancer increases and, and expedites your maturity level. But I think in some aspects, it doesn't give you an opportunity to grow in certain, in certain places and certain parts of your life. So it was tough to navigate what I wanted. And I think losing that opportunity was tough. So it took a few years to really understand maybe you should take a step back Focus on yourself as someone who now is feeling more confident about his career and about other aspects and learn a little bit about yourself before you subject someone else to that before you feel you've grown. So it's taken a few years. I'm not 100%. I still feel like I do have some growing to do, but it was a tough few years to kind of determine what, what the next steps were. Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of reminds me to what, in the way what Gabriel was just saying uh, just like a minute ago in terms of, you know, kind of taking it kind of step by step, right? And not trying to go, you know, <laughs> go to 100, from zero to 100. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, and Gabriel, I know you also had to confront things with, you know, you, uh, the changes that were brought on by Kins and you, you moved back in, like with your parents. And that's been kind of a mixed experience, maybe in some ways. So could you talk about how that's come about and how did it affect you? Yeah, so I was 19. I was in the summer after my second year of university. So I had made friends. I was, I was living life as any 20 or 19 year old would, I guess, um, in university. Like it was, 
it's pretty typical university kind of style life. And then I got cancer and it became clear very quickly that I couldn't do this in Ottawa, specifically because I didn't have the support systems that I needed. My parents, I, I needed my parents. I didn't have a partner at the time. And my parents ended up taking care of me 24 sevens for the next six months. So I really need them. And at one point I made that call to go back home, but home was like very far away from, from where I lived uh, at the time. So it was a huge adjustment. I lost most of my friends. I had to learn how to be social via distance when everyone else was having fun without me. So just in so many ways, it was so tough to sit in a space where I had assumed that I would be doing X, Y, and Z and doing quite the opposite. And I loved the time that I got to spend with my parents and my family. Like I really wouldn't give that time up for anything, but it did come with its challenges in terms of the dealing with the fact that I was 19 and cancer had kind of come into my life. And that got more complex when I actually moved back to Ottawa because now I had to navigate the social sphere of my life with cancer and with a ton of things on my shoulders or a lot of shit in my pockets, really, when other people didn't really have the same shit in their pockets. So it was a, a lot of growing throughout that process. And I think writing the book for me was after almost five years, four years, five years, the final step that I kind of needed to let go of that resentment that I had felt at one point towards what cancer had taken away from me and everything that came with that big ball of shit. So for me, I'm glad that I got to write those parts of the book because they helped me with that letting go process. Yeah, absolutely. And when I think of the, you know, of the stories that you just shared about you, uh, Alex, and you, Gabriel, I think it speaks to, to the struggles that so many of us have uh, that are going through cancer. And it takes me back to what we talked about earlier with the fact that, you know, where our life experiences may be different, but ultimately they kind of go back to the same emotions that we experience. And it kind of, it's not just emotions, it's like a, this emotional kind of roller coaster. Right, that you, that you go through and you kind of experience this thing. So uh, I think that that's really powerful thing. That's that's something that really struck me about your book. Yeah, Alex, tell me where can you find the book if you wanted to to go and get yourself a copy. Where 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 is it available? Yeah, wonderful question. So it is on Amazon now. We have it on Amazon.ca right now. We have it both as a Kindle ebook version as well as a paperback version. Happy to share those links with you, Joe, at any time just to kind of get get the ball rolling on that. And that's essentially what we have for now. And if anyone has any questions about how to get involved, if they have any questions about the writing process, the book, if they want to gather one and they don't know exactly where the link is, they can reach out to us. We're happy to share our own socials as well online. But Amazon.ca is where we decided to publish, worked out perfectly for us. And that is the main stop for it. Yeah, fantastic. And Gabriel, tell us about if someone wanted to find the podcast. Tell us about uh, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, so our podcast is Soar Above Cancer. So we've been at it for some time now. So there's quite a bit of content there for people to enjoy. And they can find it on whatever podcasting app that they they love to listen podcasts on. So 
whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you're going to be able to listen to Sorrow About Cancer there too. Fantastic. Cool. Well, thanks so much for being here, guys. And congrats again. And thank you for, for sharing the story today. Thank you so much, Joe. Yeah, I appreciate having us on, Joe. Thanks, guys. Hey, my friend, this is Joe Bakmutsky, host of the Simplify Cancer podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, because I know that this is an especially crazy time for all of us. And if you're struggling a little bit right now with the lockdown, with the COVID-19 pandemic, then I, I, I urge you to check out my 14-day lockdown challenge. How to stay sane, steady, and strong in the time of pandemic. You know, each day I'm sharing what I've really learned from cancer about dealing with isolation, with worry and fear. And each day we're going to tackle a different topic. So if that sounds interesting to you, then go to 14day, that's one for 14daylockdownchallenge.com. Also, if you're a cancer patient who's going through, you know, potential cancer treatment right now, then I urge you to go to simplifycancer.com and check out some of the free tools that I've created to kind of help you out along the way. If you go to simplifycancer.com to the tools section, you're going to find out the outcome map, which just shows you how to really work through specific worries, like a milestones, like, like a checkup, or maybe some specific symptoms that you've got, like an ache or a pain, and you're going to figure out what to do next. It's a really simple tool that can help you to really work through that. There's also online community guide, which is how to really find the top three online communities for most cancer. So you can really check in with people who've been through it before, like connect with them, ask questions. They're going to be there for you because they know exactly what it's like. You know what to expect from treatment and beyond. Also, I've got a PDF called your first oncologist visit checklist. And here I've got all the questions that you want to be asking your specialist. So you can just print it out and take it with you. There's room to make notes. And also make sure that you can kind of prompt the conversation and make sure that you really don't forget. The other thing I've got for you is the testicular cancer support kit. I've done a whole bunch of videos for you on the things that you can really you know, find out about dealing with testicular cancer from the perspective of someone who's been through it. This is not medical advice. This is just from my personal experience of dealing with cancer, things that, questions that you might have about fertility, about having sex, all of that sort of stuff, like how does it feel, different kind of things that can help you and guide you along the way and hopefully make your journey easier. So check that out as well. And speaking of my experience, you might also want to check out <laughs> Simplify Cancer, Man's Guide to Navigating the Everyday Reality of Cancer. This is the book that I wrote talking about the four main challenges that all of us guys must overcome when we're dealing with cancer. If you're interested in seeing what that's all about, go to simplifycancer.com. The links are pretty much <laughs> everywhere on the website and you know I'll tell you more about it. Other than that, thanks so much for tuning in. I'll talk to you next time.